So do you know what today is? Uh, no. What is it? It's St. Kendrick's Day, man. What does that mean? Oh, oh that my means, God. That, that oh, means no. the new Kendrick Lamar album dropped at midnight last night and it, and it arrives today. And Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know what you're doing with this. I didn't know. No. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, there is nothing more conflicting to me than when when my fa- one of my favorite artists releases an album at midnight, and I think to myself, I should really go to bed because I have to be up very early to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So definitely gonna get that. Yeah, my uh, my girl and I are going on this little road trip today, so we'll definitely have to get that before we hit the road. Oh yeah, she's. To hear that yes i i now i did stay up a little while and listen to like about half of it so first of all if my voice sounds a little rough that's why but let me just okay. tell you, you, you are in for some good listening on the road so all right good enjoy. good i love them nice welcome to wherever you are my name is ryan mcneil in toronto canada you are listening to episode 175 of the matinee cast it's a movie loving podcast of my movie loving website the matinee.ca your home for cinematic passion and perspective dear listener I realize that by eschewing the mainstream uh, selections and the commercial releases by and large on this show that it limits my listenership somehow because, you know, I know that not a lot of you have seen movies like Oh, Personal Shopper and, uh, you know, th- that kind of that kind of selection. So people tend to kind of come and go from this show and come back to episodes much later when they finally get around to seeing some of this stuff. And and to me, that is a little bit of a shame because sometimes it's these smaller releases that really provide for some of the best conversations and the best episodes of this little project of mine. Case in point, uh, about two years ago, when in the spring we dedicated an entire episode to both halves, part one and part two of Nymphomaniac. And as much as you would think that just talking about a dirty movie for 80 minutes would turn into uh, a string of comedy and, and, you know, dick jokes, uh, it was a really great conversation with a really great guest that I'm very happy to be bringing back on the show today. So uh, hopefully if you listen to this and you enjoy what you hear, you go back and find that episode because that was one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done. Um, we are usually across a wire with him to the West Coast, but he's uh, he's come east today. We're across a wire to Washington, D.C., where the brain's behind and so it begins a site you can find at so it begins.com is here it's alex withrow how are you alex withrow i'm good thanks for having me that was a good episode i remember that i think the power went out like in the middle of us recording it yeah it was lars von trier's way of telling us uh <laughs> this is not to be <laughs> to give a yeah give a good seal of Google first movie, but no, that was a good conversation. That, those movies are pretty whacked, so that was they, fun. They're very. It's, it's kind of funny because I every once in a while when I'm flipping through Netflix, I see it come up, and now they've got it all stitched together as just one selection. And every time I I hesitate, I you know I, I sit there and I'm like, do I wanna? I'm like I, I I think I'm good. I think my experience of watching the two of them in a theater in one night is is enough for me. I, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's what you did. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> On episode 175, we will be discussing song to song. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Alex. This is Know Your Enemy. So on episode 110, where, as mentioned, we discussed Nymphomaniac 1 and 2, 
we discovered that the first film Alex had ever seen in a theater was Jurassic Park. The last film he'd watched at the time was a combination of shame and upstream color because he was neck deep in editing and those were films that inspired his cut. The worst film he'd ever seen is Sex and the City 2. The unseen classic or essential was... His answer was 80s comedies, so Big Trouble in Little China, Porky's, Police Academy, and that kind of movie. And the film he wished he'd made was Shane. Time for round two. Mr. Withrow, what's a movie you like that seemingly nobody else does? Uh, La La Land? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm kidding, but God, film Twitter just came down hard on that one. So hard. Um, no, but... My honest answer, I was thinking about this, a recent one is Gaspar Noé's Love. Um, oh. I just, I love that movie. It's suited to my style. It got, obviously, the most thing surrounding it was that the actors engaged in real sex, and I'm that was just one part of it. And I get it, that is going to draw pretty, you know, heated opinions one way or the other, but I thought it was just a brutally honest take on love gained and love lost, and I still really like it mm, or appreciate okay. it. Okay, so so this yeah, I would actually say with that one you're deeper in the tank than La La Land because I know yeah. La La Land has has its admirers and and to be fair I like La La Land I and mm-hmm. I, I I do still I believe it is one of, one of the best films of last year not necessarily the best film of last year but um, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who really loves love I, I saw that one. That played at TIFF a few years ago, so I saw that one in a theater um, in 3D. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It was, Um, uh, yeah, the reaction was pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, you know, we were talking about Nymphomaniac before, and it it feels like those two movies couldn't be more opposite, where one felt very warm and human. Um, Love, to me, uh, it it, like, it, it seemed kind of nasty you know like it I, is I remember, it is that's true i agree i, I definitely like, agree the, the guy in in love like the, the 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 lead male character was just somebody that nobody in that room seemed to like yeah so yeah why what but what is it that you dig about it i like that i just like its honesty and it does feel very real to me i like that it's told in this weird order because it's not reverse chronological even though you see them meet toward the end when they met for the first time and it ends with them having not spoken in some time, but it just felt very, I don't know, this kind of fractured way of looking at things. And I loved its editing style. Like it would mirror blinks and then you could just be cutting years and years apart. And it was just these little snippets of, you know, love basically. And for the record, not all of the sex in that movie is real because Gaspar Noé plays a role in it who ends up having sex with the lead actress and they didn't actually have sex. Like he's crazy in real life for sure, but I don't think he's crazy enough to have sex with his lead actress on film. So a lot (laughs) of it was simulated. Some of it wasn't. And I just thought it was honest and I'm not, I don't really, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't get queasy or anxious or anything. So that it wasn't, didn't make me nervous to watch that stuff. It was like, okay, it's just part of the, but it's definitely nasty. I mean, you go back and watch it. I've since watched it again. My God, the fights these 
people get into are just so brutal and real. And I thought it was shot very, very well. And I thought it looked amazing. Yeah, it, so. it, it is handsome. I'll grant you that. It certainly did make me want to hop a plane to Paris um, pretty soon. It, it's funny. The other thing I seem to remember about it that I know was one of those moments where I didn't like was there's a conversation they're having. And it's the conversation of... Uh, what you've never seen 2001 a space odyssey are you kidding like he 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 kind of mansplains cinema to to the girl he's trying to date that's true yeah oh you're one of those yeah remind me isn't this also the movie where doesn't he have a a poster of salo on his wall yeah he probably does something like that and it's funny because uh gaspar himself said he modeled that character like word for word after himself like his favorite movies 2001 and he would probably have solid posters on his wall yeah he's just a weird he's a weirdo fella for sure but i've i'm I'm glad glad it has fans you know that's all that's all i'm saying it's i mean i'm a guy who i've showed friends irreversible and they look at me and they're like what the hell is wrong with you like what what are you doing why why would i want to watch this i'm like, oh, sorry <laughs> i just run i guess i like to, i like weird things i well, there's I, don't know. I mean yeah yeah like and, and gaspar no way i mean I, i'm just i'm happy he's on the landscape i don't know how many times i throw on his movies for kicks but uh, yeah yeah that's that that's certainly a good answer i'll grant you that one let's let's turn this over what is the film that everybody else digs that you do not and you're not allowed to say la la land again no, I won't. <laughs> I have trouble. I was going to give something generic. Like I often have trouble with fantasy adventure genre. Um, so Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. But that's not, I don't know, it's kind of an easy answer. So I was going to pick something, uh, again, contemporary. And that was Jackie. And I know that Jackie, hmm. the tide kind of turned and people seemed to not be as into it as they were when it first came out. But I was sitting there in the theater opening day going, this thing is just not clicking for me. I thought it looked great, 16 millimeter. I thought Natalie Portman was great, and the sound and the music was good. But I thought with that particular story, they could be it could just be more. The Camelot sequence was great. I wanted the whole movie to be like that. If I mean, it kind of sounds silly for me to say what I want a movie to be like, but I just I was like, oh come on, there's got to be something more. Like what? Where is it? So that would be my pick for that. Yeah, um, like it's. It's difficult for me to really like I you know I know I wrote about Jackie and I gave it a full review but it's difficult for me to give it a fair shake now cuz I like when I saw it I was kind of primed to receive the signal that it was sending out. I think the one thing I would say with Jackie that I dug. Now first of all I do I would totally get anybody not liking Jackie. Like if somebody were to say, "Oh, I don't like this movie." Well, yeah, I I, I totally get why because it it's it's very melodramatic. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very big. It's like it's a huge movie. Yeah. Um, but what I did like about it, and I, th- I thought worked well, was I liked that it just focused on one thing about her. Like, I, you know, you could you could tell a story about Jackie Kennedy and have it go on for like days. You you could do a whole mini series about Jackie. I, I I liked that they decided to tell the story of preparing for the funeral and what she would have to, you know, the kind of conflicts that she would be dealing with and the varying opinions and that kind of thing. So in terms of storytelling, the one thing I did like is that it gave it focus and that, but that didn't ring for you. No, actually I'm my, the wheels are swinging my head. That's, that's a really good point. It was a big movie, but it was kind of small in the way that it just focused on 
her and that one thing. So I, I did appreciate that. I, on paper, I liked that movie a lot, I, and I didn't. I'm like, I just want to like this more. But sitting there watching it, it just it didn't click for me. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, I, I, and, and I, and and as I said, and it, it could it, that very well could be the difference between. You know, you were you were going into it just kind of waiting for it to wash over you, and it just never did. And when I sat down and watched it, I was in a particular mindset, and it just tapped on a nerve. And hey, you know what? That's that's the cool thing about film is sometimes sometimes it comes to you, and sometimes you go to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What was one of the last films to make you cry? And this kind of taps into what you were just saying. Um, I saw Manchester by the Sea just mm-hmm. at a time. It was just one of those days, and man, that movie. I don't know. I've I've just I've been in that guy's shoes. I've never done something that horrible, but I've been, you know, like down and out and that thing just really tapped into me and that that scene, that big scene with him and Michelle Williams, I still can't watch that. It, that was oh, it's just so brutal. So that one that one got me going. Good. That's, you know, that that's a that movie um I do hope that a lot of people come to that movie cuz that 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 was Again, that was one of the best movies of last year. What we get lost, I think, these days now that we're talking about it in the in the scope of what Michelle brings to the to the table, because she brings just a heart wrenching scene to the table. Um, what I think got lost for me was a scene earlier in the movie where uh, Casey Affleck has to discuss what happened with the cops. Like he's he's in a he's in a He's in this tiny little small town police station. Yeah. He's wearing, you know, clothes that look like he got them out of a Salvation Army bin, and they probably did. And he's talking about what happened very matter-of-factly, and you can just see he is just wrecked. Like, he's not... Mm-hmm. He's not blubbering in that moment. He's not crying in that moment. It's It's very, very opposite to what Michelle Williams does, but it's every bit as intense which the thing i like about that is it just it shows you there's more than one way to really express grief and pain on film i mean that was one of the most effective scenes for me and then what he does after when he tries to take the gun i just i believed him the whole way and yeah oh man yeah i that was that's a that's a tough one tough movie but i really appreciated it in the movie of your life who plays you um Sadly, I don't have a, a like a big celebrity answer. I have three fellas in my crew of actors who I love as people and performers. So their names are Nick, John, and Micah. So I'd let them uh, fight for it. And I've put them each in stuff that I have made, and they've been playing a surrogate version of me. So I'd let them fight for it. <laughs> It'd be kind of fun. But yeah, they're... Uh, yeah, so no, again, no like big celeb answer, but they're all they're three really good actors, and again, they've all kind of played me in one way or another. So, How, like, so did you like you cast these people, or did you know these people before? No, um, well, I made a movie. God, we were talking about it. I was editing it last time we did this called Wait, and that's about to drop on iTunes and Amazon finally. Nice. And Micah plays a version of me in that, and I auditioned him for that, so we hadn't met, but we're still really good friends. And the other two, Nick and John, it's the same thing. We just met in LA, and they've been in stuff that I've done, and I kind of write, tend to write autobiographically, so I put them in, and 
Okay. Yeah, they, so, they fill the shoes pretty well. <laughs> what, what, what we're going to have to do is uh, you're going to have to send me some sort of a clip or something like that that I can include in the show notes and people can see the, the, you know, the, these, these guys and see this version of you. Oh, yeah, sure. So Absolutely. drop that into the show notes. Very cool. Um, last but not least, what are you watching next? Man, I really want to see this movie Raw. Have you heard of this? Or have I you seen have it? I have heard of this. Yes, I have. Yeah. I mean, I it just sounds like my kind of movie. I, I've been a vegetarian for 10 years, and I love <laughs> vegetarian jokes or something that makes fun of that lifestyle. And a vegetarian who turns into a cannibal just sounds awesome to me. And it comes out in D.C. next for a week from today. So I will be there with a barf bag ready to, <laughs> ready to endure. <laughs> That was one. That was another one that played at TIFF, and I heard a lot of people give it a very, very mixed reaction, which is usually catnip to me. The ones that, the ones that split audiences, I'm like, I need to see this movie. If, if, exactly. if, if there was no consensus, I must see this movie. Um, and it, and it kind of arrived on a really cool uh, slate of movies because um, in in a similar vein, there was a film called Prevenge. That uh, dropped as well about a woman who um, she's she's like seven months pregnant and her her unborn baby is is telling her to kill. Um, Whoa! Yeah, which I haven't was, heard of this. I gotta look this up. Yeah, this that great. one was awesome. And then there's another one that's coming soon called The Bad Batch um, by the director of A Girl Walked Home Alone at Night. Um, oh yeah, which is this like post-apocalyptic thing, and that one's coming in the summer. But clips for that are just dropping now. And and in that same vein was Raw as well. And I heard people talking about all three movies kind of in a similar. Um, in a similar way. So thank you for the reminder because I'm, I'm seeing people talking about raw more and more, which makes me believe that I'm going to have my shot to finally see it now. Cause yeah. for me last year was a shortened, uh, projection is, is, is genre film your, your bag? Is that a kind of thing that you go for quite often? You know, I'll watch a- anything and that's, that's just the honest answer. It doesn't, I do love a good genre movie. I love them. And then I watch, I'll watch something that's, I don't know, six hours, a six hour long Swedish movie and be cool with that. I just, anything that I, I like seeing things that are different and seeing a genre film done in a new way yeah. is really, God, what did I, Oh, eyes of my mother. Did you see that? No, that is one of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen. It's like 70 minutes long, came out last year, black and white. And it is, I don't even want to tell you much. It's a horror movie, but it okay. is so they made it for almost nothing. There's like four actors and it is so deeply unsettling. I was, um, oh god, I can't wait to watch it again. But it's, it's just the, all like awful the things that happen in it. But I loved it. So that's a good. That's this kind of closed down horror movie where they're just in one house. It's done really in a really unique way, and I dig that. All I will, the way. I would totally go looking for that, and I'll make sure that I watch that one like good and late at night, and when it's oh like, yeah, just me in the darkness, you know, like no distractions. Yeah, it okay. will. And then let me know what you think. It is a, it's a doozy. Gotcha. Done. That's more about Alex. We are going to go on to the new slang for the episode 175. And the new slang is Terrence Malick's Song to Song. Come on right back after this. Together, oh, while our hearts were young, I'm a 
Song to Song is written and directed by Terrence Malick. It stars Ryan Gosling, not Ryan Reynolds, as I originally wrote in my review. Uh, <laughs> Rooney Mara, Michael Fassbender, Natalie Portman, and Kate Blanchett. Song to Song is the story of Faye. That's Rooney Mara. She meets BV. That's Ryan Gosling. And they have a fast and easy chemistry. She also meets Cook. That's Fassbender. And has an intense sexual fascination with each other. The wrinkle is that Cook and BV are friends and collaborators, and the three relationships are tested as they all try to coexist. Eventually, Cook meets Rhonda, that's Natalie Portman, a Texas waitress he falls hard for, and they begin a fast and intense relationship, leaving Faye and BV to pick up the pieces. And life goes on from song to song. About seven years ago now, Terrence Malick started taking a different approach to his films. He would shoot just a whole bunch of scenes and footage and look for the narrative in the edit. The result is that the actual story is very slim and the film itself comes to life in the audience filling in blanks, assigning meaning and subtext to a mosaic of visuals and imagery. So, pop quiz hotshot. Is it fair to make the audience do the work? Is it fair for any filmmaker just to cobble together a bunch of loose narrative threads and a whole bunch of pretty pictures and make the people in the seats do the heavy lifting for things like tone and theme that's a great question and that's i actually touched on that in my review too so is it fair i don't know that's up to the audience and given that this movie came and went so fast and not a lot of people saw it it a movie like song to song to me requires very active viewing you can't text you can't be distracted because you do have to fill in puzzle pieces and i think a lot of the movies made and released can be viewed passively like you know where they're going to go a superhero movie for instance or a romantic comedy and that's fine that's i'm not disparaging that at all but is it fair i love movies so do you we watch a lot of them i would not want to have to pay attention as intensely to every single movie as i did to song to song but i do think there's a place for it I think there's a place for it, and, and and you're right. I do believe that film can be many things, and that you know, doing something where you want it to be a more cerebral experience is to be commended. But you know, let me steer this towards a film that is is a different kind of cut, and a film that I know that you appreciate. I, I compare this to something like Upstream Color. Okay, Upstream Color. Mm-hmm. I didn't entirely get it like there are there are still little spaces that i can't quite fill in even after having seen it now like three or four times um but and and upstream color as well also wants you to do a little bit of grunt work and a little bit of lifting and it's very visual like it's not always hanging on the core relationship and the mystery that's trying to be solved but at the same time it has a narrative thread and i think if you want to do this, unless you want this to be the kind of film that plays in an art gallery, and maybe Terrence Malick does, that's what he wants his movies to do now, um, I, I think you need to give audiences just a little bit more, you know? I don't want him to start getting into rom-com territory, but this movie required a lot of effort, and as you know, as much as I appreciate it for that, I don't know how many times you can go to that well and keep people coming back for more. 
That's totally fair. And this it's interesting because we kind of have this trilogy of films with To the Wonder, Knight of Cups, and now Song to Song that are all that were all made and shot the same way. And I actually just saw Terrence Malick by dumb coincidence at a Q&A a few weeks ago and he mentioned that that this style of not using a script because he didn't have any script for either of those three films I is totally something that, that he yeah it's something <laughs> that he actually regrets doing now and, really? and he mentioned that yeah I have I don't know exactly um, the way that he said it but yeah it, it's it was just very interesting that he's trying to actively back away from it and I guess his he has a World War II film I can't pronounce it ratty Raj, I don't know. Sure. Some German word. But anyway, that's supposed to be coming out at the end of this year or next year, and that's very traditional. It was scripted. I think it's going to be kind of like a thin red line type of deal. And he said he actively wrote like a real script and they shot it like a real movie. So it was very interesting to hear him say that he's been, his quote was, he's been repenting the idea of making these three films without a script. So. It seems like he's even regretted it a little bit, but um, I you wonder, do have to work hard watching them. That's true. I wonder why. Like, I mean, I would even... I Okay, so by the sounds of it, he had a little bit more structure, but I would even roll this back and say that he had quite a great deal of... Um, Tree of Life is very much mm-hmm. like this as well. That one's that, that one's got a little bit more story, but and, and that one just has a little bit more cohesion in terms of the association between the story itself and the natural world that he's kind of cutting over to to use as his examples but that one too seems like he's got just a little bit of story and wants to broaden it out with imagery and and editing that's fascinating to me to find out that he's now regretting this whole movement in his career i bet like i I would be willing to bet good money we're going to get 10 or 15 years down the road and there are going to be film students who love this period in his career yeah, I, I think so, too. And it's it's interesting because I don't know. The Tree of Life seemed to be this big hit, and a lot of people still call it his masterpiece. Picked up, you know, he got nominated for director, got nominated for best picture. And I think he took that momentum because it is this kind of mosaic movie and then really ran with that idea. for Because To the Wonder to <laughs> me is still... That's what the people want. Most, I need to yeah, shoot more of this. Exactly. To the Wonder is still his most challenging film to me, and it's the one that I like the least because that is, it's very, I tried to watch, I watched that and Night of Cups before seeing Song Song again, and To the Wonder, it, that's a tough one, that's yeah. really tough to run with. You're, you're, you're making me, like, deeply fear. I, Night of Cups is the one film I haven't seen, it's been on my PVR for, like, months, and yeah. you're, you're actually really making me wary of watching that movie, but um, that, let's, yeah. let's focus on Song to Song for a second. So I get the feeling that generally you actually really liked this movie. I did. I, I liked it a lot. I, it's funny because watching it, and I knew what I was getting myself into, I didn't, just like To the Wonder Night of Cups, I don't really like it watching it the first time. So I get that people are turned off by this style. I was watching it, and I'm like, okay, come on, like, makes sense. Like, let's let it all click. And it's third. He doesn't really do an act structure, structure but there's something that happens with about 20 minutes left and it made in the subsequent 20 minutes, the final 20 minutes, everything clicked for me. And I went, okay, I get it to the best of my ability. Hmm. And now I, I love it. Okay, cool. And cue credits. Let's So I did, I liked it. I think Michael Fassbender is able to transcend 
whatever he's in. I didn't see like Assassin's Creed. I don't know if he's good in that, but he's so ferocious in this movie, even with Malick's style. I mean, Ryan Gosling isn't doing that different than what we're used to seeing Rooney Mara's doing her, you know, angsty thing, which I always love. But Fassbender's just, he's still just kind of this beast. And I love him when he's in that beast mode. And he's just this kind of total ferocious guy. And I really enjoyed watching him like that. Interesting. I saw this movie um, about a week ago now. I did something I don't normally do. I actually went and saw a very very early showing of it like this was this was like saturday breakfast like my i think my, my screening was like at eleven thirty in the morning um, yeah and and i was actually really happy that i did that because if i'd seen this late i might have had trouble sticking with it like if i'd gone and seen it and i wasn't well rested or, or i was thinking about what else had gone on that day i i might have had trouble sticking with it which is weird to say because it's not a complicated story. Like everything I said in the introduction to this thing, I've, I've left out very, very little in terms of the actual narrative. And one of the things I actually disliked about this movie, which I was kind of waiting for is the imagery in this film doesn't wander to the, to the places that I was expecting. It's, it's much more, um, urban it's much more um like metropolitan it's 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 more things like like city living and and beautiful houses and pools and that kind of thing it's not the natural world like it was with tree of life and to the wonder um i haven't seen night of cops so you'll have to tell me if the 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 cutaways to that are more natural or more metropolitan and i i think to me this this felt a little thinner than his other movies it it really just felt like one relationship into another relationship into two more relationships and let's watch what happens there and it it sometimes didn't seem like there was enough to hang a film on now i appreciated a lot about it but and, and i certainly liked it a lot more than to the wonder i will say that but on the whole i i feel like i came away from it kind of wanting mm-hmm. yeah and that's Oh, well, about the imagery, I do agree. Um, it's kind of in the mix of To the Wonder and Night of Cups, because Night of Cups is shot almost solely in Los Angeles. It is very urban, and you're going to all these swanky places, the kind of Hollywood elite places, mansions and huge patios and scenic overlooks from, you know, billion-dollar homes, stuff like that. So um, I do, I like the look of tree of life then red line better and like night of cups i i really enjoyed it was one of my favorite movies last year i don't know if song to song will be let's say in my top 10 yeah. from this year i probably doubt it so i do agree with what you're saying i did i could have used a little more as well and it's interesting because he did malik and fassbender did a uh, q a at south by southwest and in that Malik said the first cut of Song to Song was eight hours. <laughs> now, obviously, that, that's silly for a movie, but it makes me wonder, what if he takes, like, a Netflix deal and they give him eight hours, you know, to don't tell him. a don't story? Don't, don't, <laughs> I would love that. to see that. I would love to see that. <laughs> but, I mean, because all the, all the press stuff we've seen over the past few years was uh, Christian Bale, like, you know, walking around these Austin sets and... Christian Bale was completely cut out of Song of Song. So there's clearly a lot more to this movie that I would would love. I'd be interested in seeing, but 
when you're beholden to a runtime of, you know, an hour and 45 minutes and you have distributors and things like that, you have to come in at a, at a manageable runtime. But it's just interesting. I wonder what he would do with more time. If I couldn't handle eight hours of just song to song, but maybe in eight hours, could it be more cohesive? Could we get the more that we're wanting? I don't know. So for you, it was the Fassbender performance that stood out in this movie? Of the acting performances, yeah, that and I hope I'm saying her name right, Laika Lee. Um, and she, I had, I've been a fan of her music, but I had never, I don't know if she'd ever acted before, and I just, I thought she was captivating. I mean, her eyes, and I, I was really into what she was doing. She, yeah, she's a great little inclusion late in this movie. There's, there's a lot of these. The, the thing that's cool about this movie is there's a lot of these little snapshots where the story happens to drift into the orbit of flea for a minute or drifts into the orbit of uh iggy pop for a moment um what was it about fassbender's performance in this because he was actually now it might very well be his performance but he's actually the character that i liked the least interesting i i didn't like him as a person but i just i thought early on what are they doing? He's talking to Ryan Gosling's character, and I think a woman comes up and is kind of yelling at him, you screwed me out of all this, you did all this, and he just shrugs it off. And I was watching it going, that's going to be Ryan Gosling. And by the time we're done with this, you know, he's really going to manipulate this guy and kind of screw him over. And just to see the wheels spinning in his head over, and he has a line, I wish I had seen the movie again to write it down, but it's early in the movie when they all go to, I think it's Mexico, and they're at the beach, and Fassbender says something to the effect of, I saw them in love and it made me, like, I, I've never had that. And it made me so jealous and so mm-hmm. crazy. And I could just see the wheels spinning in this guy. He just wanted everything, but didn't, he wanted every woman that he saw. He wanted all the money. He wanted all the respect and credit for the music he's making. And he wasn't, able, he wasn't willing to give anything. So it just, it reminded me of ferocious Fassbender and just kind of see him. I don't know what there's a scene a little snippet when he's kind of hugging Rooney Mara and they're walking through a crowd and she looks clearly annoyed but he's just I don't know kind of out there I kind of imagined it seemed like he might have been I don't know like drunk uh, like the character like yeah. drunk or high some a lot of the time or something just so angry and ready to combust I mean shame will always be one of my favorite movies and it seemed to be a little more toward kind of angsty fastbender which I was into but i liked everyone in it i mean it was great to see holly hunter pop up for a little bit you know i i miss her i don't we don't see enough of her and it was so good to see her just pop up for see, a quick the, little bit the performance now fastbender the what, what i i kind of what i don't think about is that he's actively trying to make me dislike him and that in itself is is has merit you know like yeah it's not like i'm I, it's not like he, he just shows up and i dislike him because i realize i love him in other movies so him showing up and turning into just such a dick um is actually something that i should probably commend um but <laughs> what what i think was the beating heart of this movie was watching rooney mara and watching the way that she falls for both of these men um so differently like you you don't always realize that different people are different things to other people and you may have one person who just you know loves someone with their whole heart and somebody else comes into their orbit and can also just be 
the center of their universe for a very, very different reason. And that was the thing I liked watching with her when she related to BV and she related to Cook. She her her relationship with BV seems to be much more much warmer and much more natural and and you know much more loving as much as that is in this movie whereas with cook it seems somewhere in between just pure attraction and fascination and she never says anything like that but you can just watch her body language when she's with either either men or certainly when she's with both and see these little differences and i don't know if that would just like naturally came out of rooney mara she's a very talented actor so it may very well have just been what she projected or if it was a conscious thing that she came up with of okay when i'm relating to cook i'm going to be acting this way when i'm relating to bv i'm going to be acting this way and but just watching that just watching her body language when she was with each of these men was fascinating for me that's a really good point and i i couldn't agree more it, it was it was like this animalistic thing that brought her and cook together and it was bad for her and bad for both of them and then she was just a completely different person with bb what i like about that as well just to kind of expand on that is i like that these relationships are being informed less by what's said and more by how it's being said yeah right i agree yeah i love that um there was this that really cool scene when they were I don't think her and Cook had been, which is Fassbender, had been together in a while, and they had kind of met up and are hinting at having sex, but she doesn't, she's fighting it, she doesn't really want to, and then boom, it just cuts to directly after, so we skip seeing the sex, and we just see her her turmoil in having done it after, and I really, that's Terrence Malick for you, he's not interested in showing sex at all, he just wants to show the result, the turmoil before and then what it does to you after. And I really like that. It seems like that that made me really like this movie. Yeah. What did now you, you mentioned it earlier on um, when you were, when you got to, um, to be in a room and listen to Malik talk about this movie, what did he have to say about this movie that people, uh, you know, who weren't lucky enough to be there might be interested to know? Well, here's the thing. I was at the air and space museum in DC seeing a, cut of voyage of time which is his documentary it's kind of an expansion of that creation of the universe sequence and tree of life right so he was there mostly it was a very science heavy q a he was mostly talking about that but they did ask some audience questions and what's interesting i've done there's this really cool article that came out the not so hidden or secret life of terrence malick it's really interesting but what I've learned is that when you bring up, even his friends like Richard Linkletter, they're good friends, when you bring up one of Malick's own movies, he never refers to it by name, and it's always his instinct to disparage it in some way. So really? he's not pleased with any of his work, and so when someone said, someone said very clearly, you know, you made Badlands as a young guy, and your career has lasted longer than my entire life, so how have you changed as a filmmaker from Badlands to, say, Voyage of Time and Song to Song? And he didn't reference any of the movies by name. And he huh. just goes, oh, I can't watch them now because I'd want to, there's so many changes I want to make. And the closest he got to referencing any of his own films was by saying that he didn't use a script for To the Wonder, Night of Cups, or Song to Song, and he now regrets that. Wow. And it makes editing incredibly difficult. That's why his films often take years to edit. And that for the one he's already shot, this new World War II movie, and they're editing now, it is a kind of straight story. So 
I kind of have a theory, and that theory is that the whoever's financing this World War II movie, they want it to be a hit. They want audiences to see it. So I think they he's been encouraged to go back to a more narrative style and and that even includes him going out to Q and A's, which he's never done before. No, he's he's never. Like notoriously reclusive. Yeah, and I think he's I, he's doing pod, There's this podcast I love called Awards Chatter, and he's doing that in a few months. So, wow. which is I cannot imagine what that's going to be like. And I think he's probably just trying to have hit one of his movies make money because his movies don't make money. No, you know, no. and have this new world war ii movie be good and give the producers <laughs> some money i yeah. don't know but but yeah he didn't really directly reference any of his films oh. which was interesting but he was just a normal soft-spoken s- sweet guy he made jokes he had a sense of humor <laughs> he made fun of himself a lot <laughs> in terms of his wandering style and uh, it was very interesting oh, very man. interesting you know the one thing as much as i did appreciate this movie there's there's a lot of things that just left me kind of scratching my head and shaking my head and one of them is that for how much the theme especially in its marketing and certainly in its title that music has to do with with song to song once you get into this movie music seems like an afterthought and i don't mean totally that, agree i don't mean that to say that i wanted this movie to be like once you know where 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 music is the beating heart of the movie but bv and um uh faye are supposed to, are both supposed to be musicians and yet i don't really know what they play uh, they, they go around to all these festivals and i don't really know what they're listening to or what they're interested in or what music even there, there's not one single music conversation in this whole movie except for a little bit from Patty Smith towards the end, and I, I, I sit here and I'm scratching my head, going, "Why? Why? Why would you hang? Why would you call your film song to song if songs aren't even really important to these people?" That, that, that was one of those things where I, I walked away from it, going, "Wait, was there music in that movie? You know, is, is am I crazy to be? Am I nitpicking here, or is that a failing of this movie?" No, that's I would say that's a failing in the movie. That's totally true. It's. It just, I just think he wanted this new backdrop, like Knight of Cups is set among uh, the Hollywood elite, but there's very few conversations. One very much, because Christian Bale is basically this A-list screenwriter, and I don't think the word screenwriter is ever mentioned. I don't think the word movie or film is ever mentioned. So it treats you know, the film business very similarly to how Song to Song treats music. So it's... It's just like he wants these new backdrops that he's interested in, but they don't have anything to do with that. The fractured relationships, the love, that's all going to, the shots of nature, that's all going to come first for him as opposed to whatever the movie is, quote unquote, you know, about. about but right. I definitely thought there was going to be more music stuff in it because they have been promoting that very heavily. Mm-hmm. It's it's the strangest. Now, hey, listen. Again, you talk about how it was an eight-hour cut at the beginning. There's probably a version of this movie where it's a love letter to the creation of music. It's just not the cut we got, right? You right. know. And by that point, it's like, well, I can't change the title now. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, like, kind of going a little bit further down that rabbit hole. Um, 
Did any of the little, I'm going to call them a record skip. Did any of these little record skips ever really distract for you? And when I say that, I'm talking about there's a scene midway through this movie where we watch a really weird heavy metal performance art piece by Val Kilmer out of nowhere and I mean you know like so there, there's stuff like that there's there's as I said there's all these conversations with these rock stars and they, they seem like the needle skipped did, did any of those ever really throw you or did you just kind of shrug it off and go with it I th- honestly I think every single one of them threw me and you have to actively keep up and I'm like okay here's Patty Smith okay no no here's Iggy Pop okay here that is that Flea okay what's the point Val Kilmer's shaving his head now okay Let's like, and then at some point I tried to just let go of all that and kind of have it wash over me. I don't know how you do that. I don't really know what that means. It sounds like, you know, something interesting to say, but that's just what I tried to do. I just tried to have the whole movie wash over me and I didn't try to make sense of everything that I saw, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know. I would love to know. His re- like a Terrence Malick commentary track would be incredible to me. <laughs> why did you one. do this? Oh, never, never. <laughs> but why did you put this here? What purpose does that serve? So I, I think it makes sense to him. It doesn't always make sense to me. But f- as an experience, I'm willing to run with it for you know, two hours or however long the movie is. Usually I am too. It's just, I think the funny thing with this movie is even, even as much as I dislike to the wonder, I have to admit that that movie is very fluid. Like there's, it's kind of ironic because that movie has a lot of imagery of spinning and that movie really, really feels like something that is just constantly twirling and twirling in in a constant fluid motion. This one kind of seems like my, my, my running line was, this isn't a playlist. This is my entire library on shuffle. You know, it it goes from song. it, It does go from song to song to song sometimes with, with not the kind of cohesion that I'm used to. Um, which is fine because at the end of the day, I'm still happy this movie exists. And I actually, I did want to end this off by asking you about it on a technical level because you are, um, you are a filmmaker. Was there anything that I or other people who watch this movie might have missed that kind of really either pinned you back on your seat or made you scratch your head, at like a cut or a shot or some camera work that you just that jumped out in this movie for you? Um. I, I just I will always love Emmanuel Lubezki's shooting style and it's so interesting to me and he uses these lenses that are so far back like these 10 millimeter lenses so you see everything, everything yeah. and to have the cur- it kind of curves the edge of the frame which I love but I technically I, I just no I mean not nothing really jumped out what's interesting now is that if you watch the Thin Red Line, I would never guess that that guy would embrace these kind of GoPro cameras down the line. These yeah. re- and he does that. And they're used a lot in this movie, a whole lot in Night of Cups. And it's just, he's really into intimacy. And he's really into getting as close to his characters as possible. So I I remember seeing that in Night of Cups and going, ah, I don't know, I, that's strange to me. But then here... I was kind of into it more because it seemed like you were really there, but it, it was drawing to see like the slow motion mosh pit and then boom, you're in this GoPro shot because the slow push, slow motion mosh pit was gorgeously shot and yeah. it looks really nice. And then boom, you're in this GoPro thing and 
it's like okay it's very jarring different styles but no nothing really stood out i don't think technically it's one of his best looking i thought it did look great but there his other works including to the wonder stand out to be to look more beautiful to me yeah and i i I hope that with this world war ii film that you're talking about that he kind of gets back to some of that because you know I'm, i'm happy this film exists and it did leave me with with a lot to think about and, and, and there are sequences that have stuck with me but it's still unfortunate like Terrence Malick at this point in his career is competing against himself and mm-hmm. when I put a film like Badlands or Tree of Life on one hand and I put Song to Song on another hand Song to Song comes up wanting um, but we end our reviews here on the matinee cast with a souvenir something tangible or intangible if you could you would take away from this movie and keep Alex, what would be your souvenir from Song to Song? Um, Val Kilmer's hair. No. <laughs> um, uh, Licky Lai, I just, I love that that character. I loved her. I'm like, oh, who is this? I wanted a whole movie dedicated to her. So I just wanted to see, I guess my takeaway, my souvenir would be wanting to see more of these relationships, I don't know, played out. I know that's not, that's just no. kind of where, that's- I was thinking a lot about this question and that's where, I kind of went to. That's a good one. Um, for me, mine is similar, but it, but in in a different light. Um, my souvenir is Patty Smith. I want Patty Smith to talk to me and tell me that everything's going to be okay and that I'm that I'm an artist who has something to say because Patty Smith has. She's the only famous person who keeps coming back. I think she's got three little conversations. And mm-hmm. um, first of all, like last year, I li- Patty Smith, I listened to both of her audiobooks last year. I listened to Just Kids and M Train. And I could listen to Patty Smith, like just read a menu um, in her, you know, weathered and weary little voice that she has. And the one thing that's crazy is that she has such warmth and just such love for people like she's a really really tough tough woman um but she comes at art and music with just so much admiration that i would love to watch her just talk to all these characters i want to see her talk to cook and say dude what's your deal you know i want her to talk to bv and tell her that everything's going to be okay and also for her to talk to talk more to Faye. that would be my souvenir I, i love patty smith in this movie and i want more of her that's great. That's a great choice. Couldn't agree more. Well, we end, She's great. We, uh, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Alex Withrow, what do you give Terrence Malick's To the Wonder on a scale of one to four? Um, I'll do... I want to do in between three and 3.5. I guess I'll go with like a, a strong... A week 3.5. Week okay. three and a half. Okay. I, I, I get that. that. That makes sense to me. I, I'm a little bit lower than you. I, I give it a, I give it a, a strong three. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is sometimes confounding and sometimes wanting, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about it for a week. And that is still something to be said, you know, like I, I will, I can't remember the name of half of the suicide squad but i can remember a lot of details about this movie and as much as i was saying off the top that i don't want to do as much work as this movie wants me to do doing all that work made this film uh left it with a greater impression so you know it's not tree of life and it's not days of heaven um but it is something that i think people should see so three for me a week three and a half from Alex and hey maybe we're wrong maybe you think that this film is absolute shit or maybe you love this film and you think that we're not being 
you know, receptive enough to it, let me know what you think. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Terrence Malick's Song to Song? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk a whole bunch of other films on the other side right after this. So come on back. We're back. He's Alex Withrow. I'm Ryan McNeil. Matinee cast 175. We're talking about song to song and flipping the record over to talk about other movies that would do for good um, further reading, further listening, if you will, um, after you come away from Ter- Terrence Malick's new opus. Alex, um, you know, you're the guest, so maybe you should start us off. When you came away from this movie, what are some of the movies you thought about um, in relation to this movie for better or for worse? Um, Jules and Jim, definitely. There oh, seems to shit. be. I didn't think of a- that. Yeah, a very big correlation to me, just the one female, two males, everyone's kind of, they both love the woman, she's conflicted, so that, especially that scene where they're, again, vacationing in Mexico or something, so Jules and Jim popped out, and then it would be interesting to sit down if one could bear it, to watch To the Wonder Night of Cups and Song to Song back to back and see... What's what's going on here, and it's that would be a very long and you know taxing ordeal. There like are going to be thesis papers written about that in the future. You watch. Yeah, I I think so. Especially if he does end this style here, this non-scripted kind of mosaic style, or if he you know if he starts to step away from that, these three movies will, like you said, stand on their own and be talked about by film students down the line. But I yeah I got. A distinct Jules and Jim vibe, and it would be great to. I don't know. That's why I would just love for someone to ask him that if he does these podcasts or does these interviews, what some of his influences are. But we'll see. Yeah, that would be one that popped out for me. See, also when you mentioned Jules and Jim, the one that that I think about as well um, is um, Itumama Tembien. Mm-hmm. Would probably make a would probably make a good marry up with this one, although that one at least that one's more of a road movie, where this one doesn't feel like as much of a road movie. Um, but um, so it's it's funny because you know obviously both of us when we say what is what's further reading after after song to song, we both go to other Malik. But for me, I wanted to go to Days of Heaven um, because I kind of feel like we've reached a point in Malik's career where. There's an entire generation of film fans that don't quite get the fuss. You know, he's he's become a brand and he's become he's a, he's a different version of who he used to be. So it's kind of like as these as these artists careers go on, sometimes you see their later work and you sit there and wonder you're like wait, why are we here for him? Like, why is it, why is everybody fawning mm-hmm. over this one person? And you know, like Patty Smith is an example. Um, if somebody went to see Patty Smith now, they might not get it because they weren't there in 1977 when she was so much more revolutionary um, than what else was there. So where Terrence Malick is concerned, I would say if somebody came away from this, my first choice of further viewing would be to send them all the way back to Days of Heaven and watch what happens when you decide just to shoot a whole movie at Golden Hour. Yeah, that's – and. You know, I didn't really think about that, but there's some similar themes there. You have one woman, two men vying for affection. Mm-hmm. There's some, yeah, there's 
and just that movie looks so classic and it's so gorgeous the entire thing every all the shots are so meticulously planned which is it's very interesting i think the thin red line is a lot of the same way these sweeping shots and that doesn't that's not the case with song song it's much more or like you said with to the wonder like the spinning revolving camera that keeps moving so yeah people should definitely if they haven't seen those early works go back and check that out i need to rewatch days of heaven actually yeah, it's it, it's it's a movie I think that I like I almost want Malik to go back and rewatch it and, and and see because you know he was such a he was a much younger artist, he was a much younger man back then. Maybe he'll see something in that that will inspire something new. Um and 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 it can like I said like 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 you said it's narratively very similar in that you have these these this love triangle um and and, and a professional relationship within it. Um, that still turns into this bigger story. Um, the other film that I thought of as a marry up to Song to Song uh, that that does not deal with different relationships, but in fact actually deals with one relationship, is I thought about Blue Valentine by Derek Chinovitz mm-hmm. and how that is again a really striking visual representation of love and sex in you know in like modern times um that one is much harder to watch emotionally um that one actually has a lot more to do with and because it has a common actor what we were talking about earlier with uh, manchester by the sea in terms that it's a movie that you can't revisit too often but that's a movie i feel like would make a good marriage you'd probably want to blow your brains out by the time you were done watching <laughs> song to song and blue valentine back to back but i feel like those two movies could do very well together i agree blue valentine's one of my favorite films for the it's it is difficult to watch but i love it and it's um talking about you know like love the gaspar noe movie i think blue valentine's a very honest depiction of how things can start really well and and poorly and that's a shame and none of us want that in our own lives but yeah blue valentine song song back to back would be an interesting combination it's like and and of course you know in blue valentine and song to song you've got gosling in both and he's a guy like you you don't really expect this of him when you look at him because you know like let's be honest that is a very very pretty man okay yes and and you don't (laughs) really expect him to be able to do all of these different things that he keeps on doing and he does all of them so effortlessly i i think about you know going back to song the song the thing that i was fixated on was how when he's doing something goofy like when he's uh you know either just dancing around with rooney mara or when he's like just jumps into the river fully dressed or that kind of thing i just get that it's just what his spirit tells him to do and when he does it he always seems just so cool or so goofy or just so full of life and that's i I don't know if that's just the way he is i want to believe that it is or if it's just what he brings to acting in terms of that he is just so naturally affected by what's going on around him i think i i probably for this it's a bit of both because terrence malick doesn't give direction not specific direction and you have to make the character yourself and i think it showed this kind of goofy guy i mean they have to make up their own dialogue too so there he had that great line it's even in the trailer something like 
you can lie to me and I don't I don't care. That's the good thing about me. Like you can tell me whatever you want, but I don't lie. And he's just this you're right, he's kind of this goofball who just wants to be loved and he's he's not afraid to express that in a goofy way by doing funny stuff. Whereas Fastbender's character is this pent up man with aggression and rage who j- is just fueled by conquering and money. Yeah. And it's like it, yeah. Yeah, and then you know, as I said, you go back to Blue Valentine, and you get a you you watch, you watch love begin, and you watch love die, and I always go back to that great scene that he has with Michelle Williams in the, uh, in the doorway of that shop where he's just yep. strumming on his ukulele, singing in a silly voice, and he even says, he goes, I can't sing normally, I've got to sing in a silly voice, um, and 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 you buy it, you buy it, it's just that that's just what comes out of him, that nobody stood there like, you know. Derek Chi and France didn't tell him to do it. And in this movie, Terrence Malick didn't tell him to do it. It's just what comes out of Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very interesting performer to watch. I, I enjoy him a lot. Yeah. I'm always interested to see what he's getting into next. Between the four of those, I think somebody could well somebody could have a very interesting week um, with all of this, yeah. all of that heaviness <laughs> and all of that human emotion. But I think that um, they could really fill in some of the blanks and ease some of the some of the like we said some of the burden that you have to bear when you go to a film like song to song so i think those four movies could really inform somebody if they if they can't see song to song because we were saying off air that this is actually a film that's kind of tricky to track down there's not many prints of it making the rounds and it's only playing for a week i kind of feel like this is the kind of thing that's going to show up on demand kind of quickly um if you if you want to get yourself into the mindset before you get a chance to see it those are some films that could really get you into that headspace Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely nice well that is it for a short and sweet episode 175 of the matinee cast come on back on short rest monday april 24th for episode 176 we'll be bringing back a familiar voice to talk about colossal the new nacho violando film with anne hathaway alex along with his uh plug your film because if it's uh, if it's going to drop soon i want people to go chase it down yeah, it'll drop soon. Just, oh man, releasing a movie yourself is—it uh, takes a long time. I'm learning that the hard way. <laughs> so, it'll be out. I mean, I'm—it's weeks away at this point, and it's been a years-long process. But I'm excited for that to be, to be out. And um, yeah, I'll let everyone know as best I can. It's called Wait, and it has to do a lot with. Uh, it's not told in order. There's some similarities to Song Song. It's not no, told in order. No, it's about no, no. not like it's not that crazy. It doesn't <laughs> get thrown around and everything. But it goes. It's a, it's kind of about a lost love and do you ever get over your first love? That's gotcha. the main okay. notion of the movie. Looking forward to it. And uh, and you do still do some writing sometimes. I saw your amazing uh, visual essay on uh, on. Um, there will be blood, which is posted at and so it begins. Yeah, those are hard, yeah, by the way. I gotta tell you, like I've I've started doing those. Those I I have like a newfound respect for those posts. Those are those are time intensive. They are, yeah. I mean, it, it's usually three times as long as the movie is. So that movie is two hours and forty minutes. So it took about triple that amount of time yeah. to do it. I really try to pay attention. So that's why all the movies I've done that for, I have to love. I yeah. just have, because you're going to watch them so intensely. And if people want to find you on Twitter, where can they follow you? At Shifting Persona. Very cool. Handle. 
My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Song to Song or any of the films we've talked about today can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore ca, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, sir, before we get back to uh, St. Kendrick's Day? <laughs> nope. Um, just if you're going to see Song to Song, understand that it treats time as irrelevant and kind of let that wash over you. Time is just not... It doesn't have to go in order all the time. I guess that's the best advice I could give. <laughs> here, here. For Alex, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.